Well, teachers, you do a lot to prepare, get ready for class, all those kind of things. And then every once in a while, right, there's that moment of something that you didn't prepare. And you are like, wow, the Lord did something in class today. And I remember in third grade, I was in Miss Blackstone's first teacher. I remember her name. Um, and we were doing this silly putty thing where, where we were actually throwing silly putty against the wall and letting it stick. I don't know what the lesson was, uh, but that was it. I'm thinking about bringing it to a sermon one week and we can all do it. But I remember somebody throwing the silly putty and it hitting one of the fluorescent lights, you know, the long, thin lights, hitting it and then somehow getting to the wall and sticking in the middle of all the other ones that stuck there. And then the light kind of shook back and forth and we, we all joked about it. But I remember she taught the word serendipity that day. I mean, we're third graders. That's a big word, right? But it stuck with me my whole life, the word serendipity, when something that you want to happen, it happens, but not quite like you intended it to happen, right? And I've thought about that my, my whole life. I can't imagine she scripted out the word serendipity that morning for her third graders. But somehow, something happened and she taught something. This morning, I want to encourage you teachers, because I think you're always teaching something. And when the lesson plan goes awesome, good. When it doesn't, it probably something stuck pretty well to your teachers or your students also. So let me just encourage you for a few minutes when we walk through it. I want to just share four quick things about teaching our, our teachers. The first is that, and you may know this, Jesus was a teacher. That was his title. But listen, he wasn't just called a teacher because he might have done a little bit of teaching or he had some people that followed him and he spoke into them. Rabbi was actually the word that was used for Jesus. But listen to this. It was actually the word in there is often in the original language, it's Aramaic that's spoken about Jesus, which you'd be like, well, okay, what's the big deal? Well, Jesus was from Galilee, which would make sense because they would speak Aramaic in Galilee, which tells us that even before Jesus came down and was baptized by John, which kind of signifies the start of his public ministry, his title was teacher. It was rabbi. So what he was doing up to that point was teaching people. He had followers. He was building into them mainly the Jewish law of the Old Testament is what he would have been teaching them. In fact, Jesus' address as teacher, did you know this? It's at least 47 times. I say at least because there's a little discrepancy among biblical scholars on some words that might mean that if they're proper title or not. But 47 times in the gospel accounts alone was Jesus referred to as teacher. This means that God sent a teacher to share what he wanted to share. Take a look at John chapter 7, verse 16. This is how Jesus describes it himself. He says, my teaching isn't mine, but comes from the one who sent me. That God sent this person, Jesus, his son, who was a teacher to share his teaching, to share his message. Now, you might know this, but that message is the message of hope, the message of salvation, the message for the whole world. And Jesus, our God chose the avenue of a teacher to do this. Pretty significant. Who knows what he wants to do through you as well as a teacher. The second thing is that teaching brings joy and happiness. Now, I know some of you like 25-year teachers are like, well, Tom, um, you know, because you've faced the challenges. 
But yeah, it brings joy and happiness. Listen, teaching is tough, is it not? Teachers, would you disagree? Uh, It's pretty tough. I teach for one hour on Sunday morning. I get about an hour break between my two uh, sermons. I teach on Wednesday night for about an hour and a half. Every once in a while, I go teach 20 minutes somewhere, right? Which is way less than what you do on a week in and week out basis. And I know mine's tough. So it's tough. What you do is tough. But when somebody gets it, right? When one of your students, it clicks in, or you see something accomplished, or something happens that you hadn't seen happen before in that person, an accomplishment, or just a small light bulb goes on, does that not just tick up your joy, your excitement for what just happened in the life of a student or someone in your class that you built into them? That's what we're talking about, where this joy and happiness comes. And your students often often bring that when it clicks in. I remember coming to uh, Coach Bo's class one day back here, and and, uh, um, at the end of the class, tied? Down? Was my team down? Tied? All right. Probably, yeah. And the greatest walk-off home run that was ever hit in the history of Caldwell Wiffle Ball happened that day. And knowing that myself as his student that day brought you such joy and being proud of me even to this, moment, this day, it's, it's, it means a lot. So, all right, let's be more serious in here. John, uh, who is one, he's one of the writers of the New Testament. Uh, he writes these little letters. You might know them as 1 John, 2 John, 3 John in the New Testament. And in the smallest of them, 3 John, he's writing to his students or his mentorees, people who he's building into, And he says, I have no greater joy than this, that my children are living according to the truth. Those who I'm building into, not biological children, those who I'm building into, you're now living out what I shared with you. I find no greater joy in that, he says. Paul is writing to uh, one of his disciples, Philemon is the guy's name, one of his students, and he says, I have great joy and encouragement because of your love since, since the hearts of God's people are refreshed by your actions. Not only is Paul saying, I'm so proud of you and you bring me great joy, but you're going and teaching other people this. You're going and building into other people. And then later Paul writes to the church at Philippi, to the Philippians, therefore my brothers and sister who, sisters who I love and miss, you are my joy and my crown. Stand firm in the Lord. That crown, that under, to understand that, that crown, the understanding is that it's like a reward. You know, not like a king crown, but a reward crown. You're given for great service or deed. And he's saying, look, you are my crown because you are out standing firm and loving people in this way. Today, you might need to hear that as a teacher. You might need to be reminded of this greater calling that's in front of you, that there is still joy and happiness and seeing it click in. And this greater calling kind of leads us to our next point, and that's to remember why you teach. We all need this in life, just to stop and to be reminded, to be reminded why we did something or why we started doing something. I believe your effort, teachers, is going to be rewarded. It may not be in the form of a six-digit salary, right? Anybody there? You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, 
may not be that. It may not be a parade in your honor. In fact, sometimes it may feel like your reward that week was you got some extra shift in the car line, right? And Ms. Gilbert back here, car line expert. So I saw her for years doing it. So, um, so it may not be that kind of reward. Listen to what uh, is written in Colossians. Whatever you do, do it from the heart for the Lord, not for people. You know that you'll receive an inheritance as a reward. You serve the Lord Christ. As I believe, teachers, you were uniquely designed for teaching. Uniquely. Now, I, I, listen, I could prove it to you this week if we had to, because I like teaching in this setting. In fact, um, I, in this setting, I say I'm teacher. But if I came to your class and did what you did all week, it would not take you long to say, he is not uniquely designed for this. You are. You're uniquely designed for this. In fact, there was some point, I don't know where it was, middle school, high school, maybe you got into college, switched your majors, and you're like, this is what I'm designed to do. This is what I'm created to do. I want to build into the life of people. Now, I don't know if you thought about all the hours of prep for that one class you had to, I'm not, I'm not sure, maybe you would have weighed the two, but you definitely felt like, I'm called, I'm called to do this. You probably didn't start out thinking it would be a cakewalk either, right? Probably knew there'd be work involved uh, in this. And you might even say to Tom, Tom, look, you don't understand my unique situation, and you're right, I don't. But it doesn't change, it doesn't change the thought that there are going to be difficult times, but you've got to fight through them remembering who you serve and remembering why you launched into this to begin with. Remembering the greater picture of what God called you to and how you were uniquely designed to do this thing. I remember over the years, if I look back, when I was a student, there was times where I said, I like that teacher or didn't like that teacher. And sometimes it was based on teaching style, right? But as I became an adult and I started to look back at those teachers, I'm like, what an incredible job they did, irregardless of style, in preparation, in teaching, in building in. And I don't think I've ever had a teacher that wasn't relational or personal on some level to me. And I never understood the difficult times. I never understood the battles and the barriers they walk through. And so, encourage you, fight through them. Push through and remember why you teach. We learn that Jesus endured many things, all the way to enduring the cross, because he knew why. He knew what he was called to do, and he kept walking that path forward in the Father. So teach whether people express appreciation to you or not. Now, you've probably been teaching uh, long enough that you probably have figured out by now Teaching is a bit of a thankless job, right? It can be tough. It's the very reason we wanted to have this Sunday, just to let you know we're thinking about you. You're special. We want to support you. And we'd love to give you incredible gifts that far exceed our budget this morning. But we want at very least to offer you something this morning that lets you know you're significant. So remember that. Remember why you do what you do. Here's the last thing. Your teaching will outlive you. It really will. It'll outlive you. In fact, there's times for me when I say amen at the end of a sermon ever so often where the first thing in my head, you know, is literally, well, that stunk. 
And there's some times where you move on, right, with your day. And uh, I take Friday as my Sabbath, so I, I, I do a lot of afternoon work on Sunday. There's some times where I go grab the lunch, I come right back, and I start writing the next sermon thing. Well, that's never going to happen again. I'm going to write the... But the reminder is always, when we teach and we build into people, it will far outlive us, especially as God speaks through it. Miss Cunningham was my ninth grade forensics and debate teacher. So it's a, one of the first classes I had in the morning. I think it was the second actual class. And I remember the very early on, I don't know if it was the first day, but it was early on, she was setting the tone of the semester. And she said, debating with passion alone is movie stuff. You have to form a well thought out defense of your position. And that's what she pushed us in the whole semester. You can argue with passion, but don't do it before you have a well thought out argument for your position. And that stuck with me. In fact, even today, when I'm thinking there's a sticky situation in the church and I need to go talk to somebody about something a little tough, I try to think, what is a well thought out position on this? I need to think about it from both sides, what might be asked or said. And I attribute that to Miss Cunningham. She developed cancer after I had left high school. She died somewhere in the mid-90s. Um, and so she had passed on. But those words stuck with me. And you never know where your teaching is outliving you. We get an example of this in the book of Hebrews. You might remember the story of Cain and Abel way back in the Old Testament. This is about that. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice to God than Cain. Abel had bought, brought the best that he had, like the, the, just the top stuff he had. Cain had just kind of found some leftovers and brought it. So Abel's was looked at better, which showed that he was righteous since God gave approval to him for his gift. Though he died, and you might remember how he died, you know, Cain killed him. He's still speaking through faith. His message of faith, bring your very best to God is still speaking today, is what the scripture's telling us. Listen, teachers, you make an impact, though you may not be aware of it. And you've probably told yourself that line, or somebody else has. So it's not like original with me, but remind yourself over and over, you're making an impact, though you may not be aware of it. I've had three kids go through the same school, same high school. My daughter's a senior now. And it's very interesting, the things that have made an impact on their life. In fact, there's some things that have made an impact that probably that wasn't the thing the teacher spent the most time prepping for. But somehow an impact is being made. You make a difference. Every time you show up to school, you make a difference. Every time you engage relationally with a student, you're making a difference. Every time you celebrate a breakthrough with a student when it happens, you're making a difference. So you make a difference. So my encouragement today is don't give up on that. Keep teaching. Keep learning yourself. But I want to encourage you if you're not already doing this. Teachers, we need you. Get in front of God every morning. Just carve out time every morning where you say, I'm going to stop if you're not doing it at all for three or four minutes. And I'm going to open God's word. I'm going to read a couple verses to empower me, strengthen me, encourage me. I'm going to pray, Lord, today, would you lead me in this day? Give me strength. Give me wisdom. Help me be a blessing in this day to remind yourself of your calling and be strengthened in that every day. Would you let me pray for you? Father, we thank you for teachers. 
And Father, we recognize that, that uh, we took a big hit in the, in, during COVID in the teacher world. And there's a longing for good teachers right now. So Father, I want to pray for everyone that's in the room here. Father, would you empower them to be the best teacher they can be? Father, would you bring them in front of you that they might know you each morning and you would send them out in your Holy Spirit to be able to teach even on a level that they're not capable of doing just in their own energy. So Father, be on them this week for all that they might endure, the expected and the unexpected. We pray it in your son's name. Amen.